Thank you. Well, good morning. We had a great week behind us with the call conference. It was a very challenging for me because I managed to get some chest infection and I lost my voice totally. And I was saving myself all week for today. So if my, <laughs> if my voice type breaks, please pray for me. I sound like an Eastern European villain for every single Bond film you ever watched. With a broken voice, it will be even worse, okay? So please <laughs> save yourself from that and pray for me. It, it, is, it is quite significant this uh, morning for me because right now you start your service here at 10 o'clock. We start 11 in Ish. And somehow it happens that the whole team that leads a church, more or less all adults are away this Sunday. And the whole church Sunday is in the hands of the second generation young people who are in church. So my son is actually preaching right now. While I'm preaching here, he preached in Ish. There is a few others, uh, young adults who took different responsibility in church. And it's just... Sonia and I, we worked for 20 years to, to, to get in this place to see the young, the new generations taking responsibility for Sunday service, soon for a whole church, soon for all the ministers in the churches. So it's just, it just absolutely wonderful. I actually needed to rent some adults from other places just to have some adults to make sure everything works well. So... And you played a huge role in the, the whole these 20 years, not just uh, in, in uh, supporting us, but it just in, uh, in my spiritual development. You know, as Marcus said, we, I, my, my spiritual formation started in this church, in that basement, in those conversations we had behind the closed door, and, and, and all the teachings and everything we had. You know, it was all for the purpose of, of being here today. You know, and being able to share the stories of what God has done in the last 20 years behind us uh, and just dreaming together about what else God has for us in the future and having exactly that, that 20, after 20 years, you have the young generations who's actually popping up on the surface, you know, that nothing was in vain, you know, and God's favor is just absolutely amazing. And, it, and it, thinking about that life of legacy, what we're leaving behind behind us. It's actually, it's something I prayed, you know, what shall I share with you this morning? And, and, and it is about that life of legacy. And just recently I was asked to, to preach on um, Heroes of Faith from Hebrews 11. And because I was a guest speaker, everybody else took up all other guys and I was left with something that nobody wanted to preach on, which turns to be a huge benefit for me because I really, I will, I will never do that. But just because I needed to do it, I studied about Joseph and his bones. And, and I just followed through the Old Testament the story of his bones. And I was just blessed so much and I want to share that blessing with you. So Hebrews 11, 22, it's the verse I'm going to be focused on and ask a few questions. And it says, by faith, Joseph at the end of his life, made mention of Exodus of the Israelites 
and gave directions concerning his bones. And that's all he says about him. And that's all that uh, the writers of the Hebrew, it's almost like summarized the whole life in that one episode of his life when he mentioned, gave directions concerning his bones. And, and we love Joseph because there's so much happening in his life that's so similar to us, to all the troubles he went through, that we went through, the, all the bad experience he, he experienced from the people and the good stuff he experienced with God and how he fall down and God's raised him up. And there's so many things that you can pick up from his life and make like a, this is the point of faith. And if I want to if we want to teach something to generations to come, this is the, like uh, the, the, the summing episode of his life that just sums the whole his relationship and the faithfulness of God. But somehow, for some reason, the writer of Hebrews, it it's, it's talks about his obsession with dead bones. It's almost like his whole life, you can summarize it, that one episode on the end of his life with his mentions and give directions of his bones. So I asked two questions. I asked questions, what is the story about his bones? What does the Bible teach about his bones? What, what is happening in the Old Testament about his bones? And, and why the right of the Hebrews is taking that one episode of his life to be the central point of the life of faith of Joseph. So if you go into Genesis 50, verse 24, it's where this mentioning of the bones are happening. And you can imagine that Joseph is, uh, is, uh, is on his deathbed. He's 110 years old. He's about to die. He sums his brothers around himself, the children of Israel, around his, his sick bed. And, and he said this to him. And Joseph said to his brothers, verse 24, I'm about to die, but God will visit you and bring you up of this land to the land that he swore to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. And I needed to stop straight away when I read this. Because I just, I just love this releasing, relieving statement. So blunt, but so true. So inevitable law of nature. I'm about to die. And it's so, so releasing in your soul that you can't do anything about that i'm about to die <laughs> doesn't matter how much herbal teas i drink and chia seeds i eat cholesterol is gonna kill me blood pressure is gonna kill me the stress is gonna kill me something is gonna sooner or later meet me and kill me and i can't change that and if I can't change that, there is the one thing I can change. And that is how I'm going to live. And how I'm going to die. And what I'm going to leave behind myself. And I can focus my whole life as a primary thing. How I'm going to live. And what my life and my bones are going to leave behind me. And I can put in a second place here. Yeah, take care of your health. But make sure that you're more concerned about how you're going to live your life and what you're going to leave behind you and what kind of influence you're going, your bones to have on the peoples to come. So this is what Joseph says, I'm about to die. I'm dying. And when I die, 
God will surely visit you. Every good Mediterranean father, he, make, he takes a good care about his family and his children. Every good father makes sure I leave good and enough resources for my family after me. In Serbia, where I live, you know, you can go in my country, you can see that people build the big houses, two or three floors, definitely. And the whole family lives here. Usually the parents live on the ground floor. The one son lives on the first floor with his family. Then another son lives with, the, with his family on the second floor. But that was the father in the beginning who says, I'm going to provide for my children so he never needs to worry about where they're going to live. And they build a big house so the whole family can live together. Every good Mediterranean father thinks about that. Joseph could say in that moment, I'm about to die, but I will make sure you have enough land. I'm about to die, but I will make sure you have enough resources. I'm about to die, but I will make sure that I provide good education for my children. I'm about to die, but I will make sure that my kids have a good bank account on their name. But none of the things he does, because he knows after when I die, another pharaoh is going to come. And I can't trust this guy. And every single wall in a broken world is a broken wall. And wherever my children lean the ladders of faith, those walls are going to crumble down. And there is only one wall, internal city, on which you can lean your ladders of faith, and it's never going to crumble. So make sure when I die, God will visit my children. I make sure when I die, they're going to look upon my life of faith. They're going to look about how God showed worthy to put all the trust on him through my life so my children will know my dad trusts God so much and he surely visited him. We're going to learn from our dad to trust God so surely God is going to visit us one day. I'm about to die, but God will surely visit you. And then he said to the sons of Israel, God will surely visit you, and you shall carry my bones from here. He said, I believe with all my heart that God will fulfill his word by taking you out of this and planting you in a promised land. And I'm going to make sure another thing with my life. I'm not going to be around, but I want my bones to help you in that I want my bones to testify, even when I'm not around, my life that I lived, my bones as a testimony that God is going to fulfill his promise. What a life of legacy. What a life of living. That even when you close your eyes and you can look on that guy in his past and the things, how he lived his life, his legacy still lives even when he's not around. His bones testify that God will come and God is going to take you out from this place which is not your home. And God is going to plant you in a promised land. And I'm going to make sure that you're going to take my bones. And once in your promised land, my bones are going to find their peace. And my bones are going to help you through your life of your generations and the generations to come to keep that faith of God. And my bones and my life that I live with God is going to help you so you can put your hope in God. And I love that. So, Joseph died. 
being 110 years old, then bottled him and they put him in a coffin in Egypt. And you stop here because this is the last verse in a Genesis. And you step back and you look at the whole book. And you have, in the beginning, God created the life. But then it's finished with the bones in a coffin. And sometimes we feel like that. I remember when I was a full with life of God. I remember when God was so presently, vividly present in my life with his spirit. I remember the great promises. I remember the great callings in my life. I remember all that, but somehow today I'm in that place that I feel like a bones in a coffin. But you and I, more than anybody else in this world, should know that the bones in a coffin are bones on hope. The coffin is never the end. Coffin is actually the bones in a coffin are bones of promise. The God who gave promises is the one who's going to keep his promises. So, Joseph said, not Joseph said, but actually they bubbled him. And if you're part of that tradition there, they will bury you very quickly. Just like in my country, in the Middle Eastern countries, when you die, the next day you're buried. That didn't happen with him. As a prime minister of Egypt, he will get his own huge, big, amazing uh, pyramid. He will be buried under that pyramid in a burial chamber or anything like that. Or if they bury him by the, the Jewish tradition, he will put in some kind of cave and, and bury there. But nothing of that. They bottle him. They put him in a coffin. And they keep that coffin somewhere very close to them. I would love to know how did that work. You know, did they keep Uncle Abraham in one house for one week or a month or a year and then put him in another house and, you know, the next month is you to take care of his bones or what? But they didn't bury him because that wasn't the promised land. That is not his place to be. If they bury him there in Egypt today, he will be in one of museums. We will find his bones. But no, they took him in the promised land. So, I'm about contradict this practice. Keep my body with you. Don't put me in a burial cave. And with this statement, he says that after my death, I still going to remind you, believe God and what he promised. So you can imagine, through that period of Israel time in Egypt, when Israel suffered and he was tempted to give up, when the new Pharaoh came and he forgot all the promises to Abraham, to uh, all the promises he gave, you can imagine when Israel went to the difficult time, the bones of Joseph, who are not buried here, the bones of Joseph who said, bury me in a promised land, was preaching from the grave, don't give up, don't give up. God will deliver you. He will not settle you down here. He will settle you down in the promised land. Don't give up. When the new Pharaoh came who didn't know Joseph, he was terrorized the Israel. The bones of Joseph was the object of faith. Something that was there. Something that would look and says, he's not buried yet. This is not our land. This is not our end. This suffering has the end. God will come. God will show himself. God will take us from this suffering. He's going to put us in a promised land. 
God will answer on our prayers that we pray every single day. When another farrier came who killed the baby boys and mother starts screaming and the others was reduced to slave, the bones of Joseph's remind, this is part, this will pass. This will go, this is not the end. God will surely deliver you and put you in a promised land. And when they were tempted by the secularism of Egypt, and many of them didn't want to go to the promised land, the bones of Joseph was telling them, this land is not your hope. This is not where you're belonging. You are just a traveler through this land. God will take you out. And when he take you out, please take my bones with you. And then you come to Exodus 13. That dreadful knife when the angel of death came. And then Pharaoh finally said, just go away. And when everybody in a panic and in a hurry was packing everything what they have. And you can imagine in a panic and a quick packing, you take the most important things. The Moses says, verse 19, Moses took the bones of Joseph with him. For Joseph had made the sons of Israel solemnly swear, saying, God will surely visit you. And you shall carry up my bones with you from here. After generations and generations and generations. They didn't put those bones somewhere and forget about them. They were really preaching. Through every single generation, this will pass. God will come. God will take you. So when the time came, Moses was quick to say, don't forget the bones. Don't forget our father, Abraham, uh, Joseph. Just don't forget his bones. And you can imagine... How these bones continue to preaching from the coffin. When Pharaoh changed his mind and started chasing the Israelites and the Moses. And they've been between the mountain and the sea and the, and the, and the, and the waves and the Pharaoh's army behind them. The bones were still preaching, this is not the end. This is not the promised land. I'm going to take you out from this trouble. You can imagine in the wilderness when people are mumbling and grumbling against God and says, where is this God? We had all this great food there. The bones were preaching. God will save you through this also. He will give you what you need. He will give you manna. He will give you cloud. He will give the pillar of light. He will give you what you need because he's taking you to the promised land. It was a constant reminder through the history of these people. That God don't forget his promises. That God is there. And that God is one who delivers through everything. And in that moment when Moses come one day. After God said to him. You are not going to take them to the promised land. And I can imagine the dreadful moment in a people's. In a people that moment when Moses says. I'm not going to take you to the promised land. But don't worry. The bones are here. And look they're still in a coffin. They're not in the ground. So God hasn't finished fulfilling his promise. He is going to take you. And those bones are going to be buried in the promised land. So even if I'm not here, don't worry. God is with you because bones are preaching that. And when they were facing enemy after enemy in the promised land, every single time they could raise their eyes to God and they can look in the corner and say, the, bones, the, the Joseph bones are not buried yet. And both Joseph's bones are 
in a promised land. God will give us this promised land. And then you come later on to Joshua 24 when he's about to die. And this is what he says in verse 29. After those things, Joshua, son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died, being 110 years old. And they buried him in his inheritance. Israel served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of elders who outlived Joshua and had knew all the work that God Lord did for Israel. As for the bones of Joseph, which the people of Israel brought up from Egypt, they buried them as the Shalem in a place of land that Jacob bought from the sons of Hammon. It becomes the inheritance of the descendants of Joseph. Finally, they found peace. After every single tribe find their inheritance, after every single tribe took the land, the bones find their peace. Joseph said, I'm going to die, but God will deliver you. He will settle you all down. You don't have standing army. You're just a bunch of scared slaves, but he will set you down. And as a proof of that, I want you to take my bones with you. And my bones are going to preach to you every single day that God will be there to deliver you and be there to fulfill his promise and bring you in the promised land. That is the life of legacy, my guys. That is the life we need to aspire to live. So even when we are not around, our bones are preaching to the next generation. We need that kind of churches. We need that kind of fathers. We need that kind of grandfathers. We need the grannies and mothers. We need to be that kind of people who live this life today on earth because that's the only time we have. And we should be concerned of that, not to prolong days of our lives. I will about to die like everybody else. But focus on living that kind of life, of leaving legacy behind. So even when we're not around, the people is going to come after us, standing on the shoulders of our faith. Because we are here because of standing on the shoulders of some giants of faith. Maybe your personal giants, Maybe people from your family, maybe your father, grandfather, mother, grandma, a great person of faith that you know that she prayed for you, that you still remember the great story they told you. Or the great giants of the Christian faith from the history, we stand on his shoulders on who the next generation is going to stand. The only shoulders they have, it's our shoulders. And we got to give our life to build that kind of church, that kind of communities. When the next generation are come, they're going to see all these walls, all these great buildings. But they're going to stand on our shoulders. And from the past and from the grave, our bones are going to preach to them. Put your trust in God. Surely he will visit you. You cannot trust what the world is going to give you. Do not put your trust in the broken worlds of the broken world. Because every single world, wall in this world is going to collapse. Don't lean on that. But lean on internal city. Who creator is God because those walls are never going to crumble down. 
So when you talk about bones of Joseph, they still speak today. They speak of God who honored his world, word. God who has sworn to deliver, sworn to settle us down. God who will never fail. They speak about God who is able to perform it, who is able to deliver. That our heavenly father has a thousand ways to provide that we don't have a clue about it. And when we use our all options we have, and when we hit the wall and think, that's it, no more. I don't have a clue. I'm going to die here. In that moment, God says, I have a thousand ways you didn't think about it. I have a thousand ways to deliver you and to bless you. And he will able to that. And he speaks of God who is never delayed. 300, 400, 500, 6,000, 600 years. Wait patiently of God. In his right moment, he's going to deliver you. But when he delivers you, you will see that that delivery is not just such a simple one-dimensional that you think. When he delivers you, you will see that his deliverance is multidimensional. It's not that he just saved you. He changed you. He multiplied you. You are better than before those troubles. Not just that, he gives you a story of salvation, something to say to the people. Not that he just changed your circumstances. He changed you inside. He changed your DNA. He changed you totally. And you look at him and you say, it's not that you deliver me. You deliver me in a thousand more ways. They speak of God whose bones are not in grave. They are in glory. And his promise of glory is for us today. I don't need to tell you that we have a bones to look for a hope. We also have bones to look upon to give us faith for life and ministry. And just like a grave in a pyramid in Egypt is empty, the Joseph bones are, the promise, are in a promised land. And we have the empty tomb in Jerusalem. And through Joseph, Jesus Christ alive in heaven. This is the true bones, resurrected bones of hope that you and I can look upon it. And if he is there, if his body is there, his mission of bringing his people in a promised land is fulfilled. And if it's fulfilled, and I have these bones, then I know I'm with him. With him, we are, we are there with him because of whatever you're called here. I can always know his bones are resting. And because his bones are resting, it means he's fulfilled his mission, he's of earth. And he already took me in the promised land. And when I'm bombarded so many times that I'm still slave of sin, that I'm still something which I'm not, I can look upon him and say, no. Just like he took Israelites from Egypt and planted them in a promised land, and his bones find peace. His bones find peace now in heaven. And took me in a promised land. And I'm not slave anymore. I'm a son of God. Daughter of God. Totally free. So any kind of. So I can walk with a dignity. Knowing that as a resurrected bones. Are in heaven. Washed of any shame and guilt. We can serve him with a joy. 
because of his resurrected bones and in heaven are a token of security. We can fight courageously because heaven is on our side and victory is so near to us to want every single time. Having those resurrected bones resting in a promised land with Christ being in life, I'm a different person here on earth. I walk not as a slave anymore. I walk like a son of God. I walk with a total security in everything what I'm doing. Whatever the world tried to throw on me, I can face that with security that one day, one day, doesn't matter what the world says about me, particularly in my culture, where it's a very shameful to be this kind of Christian. We are still prosecuted in so many ways. And we have said something of, um, of, of, of that is not, doesn't have any kind of dignity in itself. And people see us as a shame. The one day when Christ comes and all the saints together with us come with him. And when our true identity is revealed, the whole world is going to see who we are. And the culture can trust, try to press us down. And culture can trust and put us in a corner. And culture can trust, present us in so many different ways. One day, the true who we are is going to be shown to the whole world. And if that one day is going to happen one day, today I can live that identity. Today I can live courageously in a culture with so much against me. Today I can raise my voice and say, stop, this is wrong. Today I can walk in a dignity and a honor and say I'm a Christian. I'm not slave anymore. Today I'm one whose who's, who's, who's king is coming in a full, full glory. And today I'm the one whose king took all the victory. So I'm victorious here. You culture, you didn't want me. You didn't win. So this is the story of the bones. And I want to encourage you to dig it more in this story. There's so many layers you can take it on the surface about the legacy, about our bones. There's so many you can pick about for symbolism of the Christ and his bones and his victory and his place of rest that he takes us one day. But I was really interested about how to get to that kind of legacy. How actually to be that kind of person. And this question, why the writers of the Hebrews is actually picking up exactly this moment about Joseph's life to present in his hall of fame for everybody to see, saying in some way, well, this is the moment. If you want to learn something from the Joseph, this is the moment. He could pick up so many different things, but yet he picked up this moment. And you can... I can almost feel that he's puzzled with this life. As to say, he could choose something else, but he chose this last moment, almost like he summarized the whole life. And the whole life is puzzled. Joseph's life is a puzzle. How do you get here? How do you get there? And then one interesting thing is, when you read through the Genesis, you have all these patriarchs, you know, Abraham, Isaac, uh, Jacob, Joseph, and for all of them except Joseph, God's popping up in a moment in his life and have some kind of conversations with them and, and, and reinforce the promises he gives to them. 
promises about the promised land, promises about the stars on heaven, promises about the seeds. He reinforced this in their lives. They have a meeting with God. When you read about Joseph's life, you don't have that. There is no one moment that you, he has an encounter with God that God reinforced these promises. He doesn't have that. And there is no like a, a dying moment that you see Joseph struggling and saying, Lord, come and just reinforce these promises. Tell me about the promised land because I'm about to die and, and nothing happens and I really doubt and struggle. Nothing like that. Nothing like that is happening. Where is that faith coming from? How is it possible to live that kind of life without those things? Where is this coming from? Do you know what? He was sold in slavery when he was a teenager. Let's say 16 years old. That Sunday, without knowing, was the last Sunday service he ever had. That week, youth group was the last one. He never had another one. That summer, New Day, was the last New Day in his world. He never again, after that, he was part of the church life and all the benefits that church life can give. That was the last time. Oh boy. What an amazing, fruitful, spiritual Destiny changing, earth and heaven shaked, 16 years of Christian life. Not even 16 years. He was a kid, okay? So you can say 10, 12 years of being a part of strong communal oral tradition. You can imagine him as a little boy sitting around the campfire with all these seniors and everybody else telling the stories of God, swapping them around, never forgetting, telling the great stories about God have done in our history, in our lives, looking in the lives and the smile, excitement of these people sharing those stories and reading for him as a little child, reading in the eyes, smile, expectations, emotion of the seniors around him. That this is not our home. This is not our home. Our home is coming. And God will surely deliver. And God is surely going to do what he promised. You can imagine going again and again and again and again to that motion of being in a local church gathering where people's lives testify about great God. When, when people stand up here, they're talking about, look, I hit the wall, but God saved me. Look, I'm struggling with this, but my God is greater than any struggling. Look, I have all this. All this in this possible. I give all this for heaven that comes. Seeing a people that they sold that everything they have just to get hands of that field with the buried treasure. Because that treasure is way more than anything this world can give me. Being 
surrounding, absorbed, present in that kind of local community with that kind of people who when they come with wherever they struggle, they say, this boat is temporary and it's going. This life is nothing. Yeah, God blessed me with this and that, but you know those things are just blessings. They're not God in my life. And with everything what they have, they're saying, while we are here on earth, we want to make a difference. But while we are here on earth, because heaven is coming and heaven is a home, this is not home. And they're swapping the stories about, can you imagine how's it going to look like that promised land? Man, I wish it's like this, and I wish it's like that. And probably spending more time talking about heaven and home and how wonderful it's going to be. And what does it mean that every tear is going to be wiped away? And the doors that you never closed. And the old needs satisfied in an amazing way. And his presence among us. And just absorb themselves around the campfire, the promised land. The promised land. The grapes and honey and milk and all that. It's waiting for us all day. Yes. Of course he will see himself. Knowing, yeah, all these troubles. All this unforgiveness. All the troubles I went through. All the pain. All the betrayal. And it's nothing. Because the moment is coming. And God is going to take me to the promised land. And I want to tell you something. I want to tell you something, my brothers, that you staying behind me. I want you to know how much I believe in this. When I die, I don't want you to bury me here. This is not my land. When I die, I want you to take my bones. And I want my bones, when I'm not around in a generation, generations to come, I want my bones to preach to you that God will take us to the promised land. And he did that. He married Egyptian wife, but he never married Egyptian. At Egypt, he had the Egyptian gold and all that, but it was just the pressure on him. And he was looking forward to take it off, knowing that it's much, with, without that burden, he will way easier get to heaven. These are stories for us to learn. It reminds me of Abraham and Lot and Sodom and Gomorrah. What is the point of getting so committed for our children to be the most influential people, the best football players? So we've swapped Sunday service to the football practice. What is the point for them to be the richest, the most influential, and the, and the best people in Sodom and Gomorrah when Sodom and Gomorrah is going to burn one day? Let's get our priorities right, my friends. Let's get them right. Let's get the campfire and the kids around. And let's tell them story what is the truly important. And everything else is fine, it's, but it's, on a, it's not even on a second place. It's in a totally different piece of paper. You cannot get God and put him as a priority number one, God. And then priority number two, something else. Number three, something else. There is nothing so important with so much dignity that deserves to share that piece of paper with God. God has, has his own piece of paper and everything else is on another list. Let's get that priority right, my friends. And maybe, maybe... God speaks to you today and says, yeah, 
Yeah, it's tough. But you got to fight for that, guys. You got to fight for that. To put God as a priority number one in our lives. Because we want our bones to preach after us. Knowing that we've done absolutely everything possible around the campfire. When you have a one generation, second generation, third generation, and generation to come around the camp church fire. We're going to preach what is the truly important in a people's life. So when generations to come, they're going to remember what they'll learn about the campfire. That is how you build a life of legacy. That's how nobody forgets you. That's how you finish in the history books. That's why there was a one church, there was a church once here, and that church is still here. And that church is standing of the, of the shoulders of some great people of faith. And they're still preaching to us. We're still learning from them. Oh boy, how much I want that. How much I want not to be the king who's going to say, as long as a peace in my time. No, I want to make a damage. I want to be the one who's going to shake this world upside down. And when I'm not around, that trouble is still going to fall us. So let's not settle down. Let's light the campfires again. Let's make a community with all generations sitting around and learning from one another and saying the great story of God. What has God done in our lives? And dreaming together how the promised land is going to look like. So those children and the ones who are behind us generationally can learn from us. And wherever God takes them, whatever happens in their life, go to the college which is totally agnostic or whatever. We're not going to worry because we know they're going to take the DNA of the campfire with them and it's going to last them forever. May God bless you, guys, because you've done something great in my life. And from the basement, <laughs> I went to Serbia. But behind doors, closed doors in the basement, I learned a lot of things. You put some great deposit that it's lasting now. And here we go today. The next, some next generation is doing the work that Sonia and I have done. That is because the basement stories in a campfire. So let's be that, guys. Oral, communal, community around the campfire telling the great stories of God. That will produce the life of legacy, bones that will preach even when we are not around. God bless you all.